welcome to the Gorilla Pastor Podcast. My name is Josiah, and I am a Gorilla Pastor. On our pilot episode, you were introduced to not only me, but my co-conspirators, Ryan Fasani and Brian Wardlaw, who helped define what it meant to be in Gorilla Ministry. If you haven't, please be sure to listen to our pilot episode, especially if you want to know what the name Gorilla Pastor means to us. On today's episode, we plan to dive deeper into what we envision the future of ministry looking like here in the Pacific Northwest. It's crucial for us to take steps today so that tomorrow we are ready for the opportunities God may have for us. We call this preparation for what may come the cultivation of a broad kingdom imagination. In essence, this is our response to the one-size-fits-all sort of ministry that we were all trained in and eventually rejected. The question is this, is there more to church than what we see for a couple hours on a Sunday morning? Join us as we dream about how much more God has in store for his people. What I noticed was that Christians could not have conversation with each other if they disagreed with one another. It's all about entering in to the textured presence of lived lives. And so the, the sanitation of it just broke for me. Like, church can't be sanitized. I always feel like I'm not what people think of when they think of a pastor. I went to school for youth ministry and have now figured out how to do like construction work. It's good, good stuff. The church is struggling and declining in ways that we've never experienced in the United States and Canada right now. We have to like allow ourselves to embrace new ways of being in a place. Insurgent revolutions, i.e. guerrilla warfare, is 20% bullets and 80% blessing the people. How do we be eternally faithful? Like literally, like how do we be faithful in a way today that in 20 years, people aren't going, he was evil. Why are we so afraid? We believe that God is at work in all places, in all people, at all times. That is amazing, and that should give us hope. We are the Gorilla Pastors. Join us as we explore a world of ministry founded on subversive presence. Let's talk about Lifeway bookstores. As a young evangelical, Lifeway was where I went to buy music, books, and sometimes clothing. It's also where you would find Mother's Day gifts and graduation presents, and it might be associated with being the go-to place to buy Bibles. It was also a cornerstone of evangelical culture, and it even had an online news outlet with associated research wing. In 2018, they published an article by Tom Rainier titled, The Number One Reason for the Decline in Church Attendance and Five Ways to Address It. The name says it all. The problem is clear, and here are five easy ways to fix it. As you might imagine, the problem and its subsequent solutions are a feeble attempt at addressing symptoms to an issue that lies far deeper below the surface. 
Ironically, the very next year, Lifeway would end up closing all brick-and-mortar locations due to its annual losses happening year over year since 2013. Lifeway is the perfect example of what happens when you operate with a narrow kingdom mindset. Within such a mindset, things are always very black and white. Perspectives are dualist in nature and almost always end in us versus them. Problems are simple and solutions are easy. Just put on your Sunday best, show up five minutes before service, be ready to contribute your tithe when they pass the collection plates around, and pray that the pastor's sermon doesn't cost you your best seats at your favorite lunch spot. With such a narrow view, evangelicals may have missed that these problems have been going on for a while. Research groups like Gallup have been tracking church attendance and membership trends since the 1930s and have clearly chronicled how numbers have steeply dropped off over the past two decades. However, instead of getting to the heart of the issue, we were content with treating symptoms. One easy problem with five simple steps to fix it. In a moment, Ryan is going to share with you this broad kingdom imagination and what it looks like from his perspective. You will also hear from Brian and I as this is yet another roundtable discussion. But before we play that conversation, there is a crucial distinction that needs to be made between the terms kingdom and church. Ryan names it well in this clip. A narrow kingdom imagination is restricted by our imagination of what the church is. A broad kingdom imagination necessarily includes the reach of all creation which incorporates the church. To be clear, we believe the church is part of the kingdom of heaven when it's in alignment with God's will. However, the church as it is now is seldomly in such an alignment, and it often exists for its own benefit instead of for the benefit of others. This is the root cause for problems that don't have as easy a solution as Lifeway may suggest. The human condition is such that we default to being self-serving, while the kingdom of heaven calls for those within it to be self-sacrificing. Here lies the tension we operate in and the reason why our imaginations for what the church could look like are so very narrow. Here's the rest of the conversation Ryan had with us on what it looks like to cultivate a broad kingdom imagination. One of our commitments is to a broad kingdom imagination because of experience. And here's a quick story to encapsulate what I mean. About 10 years ago, I was running a board meeting. And by all measurements, the issue on the table was very kingdom-centric. It was actually a good issue we were taking up. We weren't bickering about carpet color or whether we should tear the wallpaper down or what the new renovation was going to cost and how we were going to pull off a capital campaign, on and on. None of it was that. We were actually wrestling with a, the shape and scale of a particular ministry we were going to do in the local community. It was good. And it kept going. And the arguments intensified. And two and a half hours later, we had not made any decisions. And all that had happened is different factions had split off and people were arguing for their particular iteration of that ministry in the neighborhood. And egos flared up and people were sensitive and getting hurt and we made no decision. 
We ended up revisiting it a month later. I think it ended up taking four or five months to actually drill down how we were going to pull off this sort of kingdom-based ministry to the community. And I remember in that season, as it sort of wound down to the end, and we had allocated the monies, and I remember thinking to myself, if the kingdom, if the kingdom is anything, it has to be more than this. In other words... What we're doing may be inspired by the kingdom and may even be deeply convicted that the kingdom is at hand or within reach, or dare we say, here as it is in heaven. But what we're doing is remarkably narrow. We are trying to whittle it down to make sense on our spreadsheet, to be consistent with our own unique set of beliefs, to be flavored in a way that's palatable and tasteful for my walk of life or my personal interests. And before you knew it, because of all of those forces at the table, that sort of kingdom possibility was, be, was entirely narrow and became something to me that was distasteful. And to that question, there's, is there more, is where we come up with a conviction, an explicit conviction that we give our lives to a broad kingdom imagination, which means it's always expansive and the diversity of possibilities is always growing. And any time our offense is taken and any time our particular interests drive the agenda, we've immediately pirated it and made it about Ryan's kingdom. The kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom that's ever expanding and always reaching more. Or another a metaphor that I like is it's always adding chairs to the table. What do you guys think? I, in classic deconstruction traditions, have an example of what a narrow kingdom focus is in my own story. Wonderful kingdom-minded ministry of helping chop, stack, split, deliver wood at a, at a place where... Wood is the primary heating source, especially for those that are um, a little less fortunate. So this church did this amazing ministry, delivers wood, helps meet a real-life need, holistically speaking. And this conversation comes of it, where the head of this ministry, a saint, a person that is doing things, I think, from a good place with some of the right convictions, the angle in their mind was clearly clearly articulated in this one-off conversation. Well, I keep inviting people to come to church on Sunday morning and they don't show up. I, I keep inviting them. And so in the crass way that I respond, like, so is the end goal butts and pews? Is that it? Is, is there more than that? The response was complete silence. Like it wasn't even, wasn't even on the radar that maybe there is more to it. This broad kingdom imagination for me is what... What is, what is the church offering that's more than just an hour or two on a Sunday morning in one physical space? There's just if, Even if we talk about the quantity of hours in our week in the different places we can be as people and the fact that where we gather, that is the church and we, we are the church. The church goes where we go. Like that, that in and of itself opens up a, an endless possibility for what it looks like to have a broad kingdom imagination. But yeah, I love everything you said. So I, I, I have another quick anecdote. I, I'm, I have a small farm that I'm responsible for stewarding, and I thought it would be 
kingdom oriented to go connect with other small farms and think how we could do some collaborative work. Well, a very large church in my county actually has a food ministry where they cultivate several acres of land and produce something like 30,000 pounds of produce that they give away every month, or excuse me, annually. So I, I coordinated a meeting with their leadership team and I went on site to their farm um, to explore how we might partner. And the conversation went something like this. They told me how great their ministry was, which I affirmed. They told me the hours that I could come volunteer in their space, which I told them I wasn't interested because I was busy on my farm. And then they asked me if I knew anybody else that could come help them on their farm, to which I didn't. And that's why I was trying to collaborate to see if we could build our pool of resource. And, you know, Anyhow, I insisted at the end of that conversation that there was more. There was more to the dynamic that went like this. Big church with lots of money and resources does really good charitable work for poor people in the community. And they had no idea what I was suggesting. And so I said, well, let me give you an example. Have Have you considered the possibility of giving this produce to small food, food preparatory enterprises? Maybe there's a restaurant you know, um, in town that could use your produce that they could then profit from. Or maybe you could be training small farmers and then give them a corner of this property so that they can take their produce and sell it and generate income. And all of their eyes glazed over in confusion because for them, kingdom work is centralized power in a community, centralized attention in community, and centralized branding in a community. Doing the good work of charity for the community. Now that's not bad, but that's a narrow kingdom mindedness. A broad kingdom mindedness starts asking questions like, what do profitable enterprises look like and how do we empower the less fortunate or the poor or the chronically ill or what, whoever to have the access to the resources to start those businesses? What's job training look like? What do trade training look like? How do we use this produce to fuel a farmer's market that we employ young kids from the neighborhood, you know, to start their own business and get experience in it, you know, and, and money management and retail experience and such. All these are questions about expanding kingdom mindedness, right? The classic charitable delivery of goods to our neighbor and in return, hopefully we can grow our Sunday attendance is absolutely motivated by narrow kingdom mindedness. I'm glad you went there. So if let me ask you a question just for distinctive. Is there a significant difference between the church and the kingdom? <laughs> I feel like that's a whole other podcast. Oh my, that's a whole other episode. I think it's important that because I don't think, I think small kingdom mindedness does not. Uh, define those two differently. Oh, interesting. Okay, I see what you're asking. Are you are you asking Big C Church or Little C Church? It, I'm trying to ask it in the in the mindset of again movement. So if someone who's m- moving out of a church. Well, well, maybe Brian, you could just articulate that a narrow kingdom mind mindedness conflates. The church with kingdom and a broad, like just name it without like unfolding all the nuance and a broad kingdom mindedness begins to explore 
how you know the breadth of the kingdom as opposed to the reach of the local church, something like that, right? Yeah, and I think the Amer- the American church. A friend of mine said this, but I'm pretty sure he read it somewhere, so I'm not sure where it came from. But the the statement that the church doesn't have a mission; the mission has a church. That statement right there speaks to just I think the the small imagination. Um, most people, I think, do. There, there is no significant. In fact, I think I would say many American evangelicals believe that the mission is to grow the church, and in, I think historically, I think even scripturally, we don't. You just don't hear that at all. It's almost all about the kingdom of heaven. Um, and I think that again, the distinction that we made early on about that there's a difference between the body of Christ and the inst- body of Christ and the institutional church, that is even more convoluted when, when church, institution, and body are, are held synonymously together, that kingdom-mindedness just gets squeezed out because it all functions within the abilities for the institution to make it happen. Um, and I think that's that. So not only do you have to separate those two, but then you make the distinction of the work of the triune God in our world through all of creation and what that looks like. Scripturally, traditionally, we go through the Western quadrilateral if you want, of, you know, of experience and reason. All, for all that, for all that God is doing in, in the world, It is not so much the case that God has a mission for his church in the world as that God has a church for his mission in the world. Mission was not made for the church. The church was made for mission. God's mission. This is a quote from Christopher Wright's The Mission of God's People, A Biblical Theology of the Church's Mission. It's the perfect place to begin if you too want to cultivate this broad kingdom imagination. Once you realize that the church exists to fulfill God's mission, the possibilities for church expression become endless. No longer does the church solely need to be confined to a building or a Sunday morning time slot. There is no format for what a worship service has to look like that is a one-size-fits-all. The church or people of God gathered to live out his will can orient themselves around what it looks like to fulfill God's will here on earth, just as it is in heaven. While the classic Sunday morning worship gathering will still most certainly take place, so too will kingdom-minded farms like the one Ryan tends to, as will the sacred neighborhood spaces that Brian offers to his community and the benevolent work that I lead as a director of a nonprofit. The beauty of a broad kingdom imagination is the inclusive nature it embodies. All are welcome to participate in the work, and all can feel a sense of belonging, knowing that they are part of good work that is bigger than their individual wants and desires. What's more is that it can happen in a coffee shop, on a mountain bike trail or a living room just as easily or as often as it might happen in a church facility. And this is because it starts at a place where we acknowledge that God just might be at work anywhere and everywhere 
All we need to do is keep our eyes open for a chance to participate. Otherwise, we may miss out on the beauty of participating in His mission. When Jesus taught us to pray, the words He shares as an example include the phrase, Your kingdom come and your will be done. Our actions within the American Evangelical Church may speak to an updated model that goes something like, My kingdom come and my will be done because I vote or I think or I act and look the way that I choose to believe God wants me to. This, friends, is what is at the heart of a narrow kingdom imagination. But as we close, we go back to our original question of whether there's more to church than what we see for just a couple hours on a Sunday morning. The answer is a simple and resounding yes, but it's challenging because it convicts us to take a closer look at the communities we live in. To truly cultivate a broad kingdom imagination, we must start by humbly looking for where God's mission is already happening, knowing full well that it's not always in the sanctuaries full of butts in pews. Once we see with fresh eyes, we can never fully unsee or unknow just how broad and incredible this kingdom truly is. Join us next time as Brian leads our discussion on what it means to subscribe to a generous orthodoxy. After that, we will wrap up our introductory episodes with a conversation on celebrating diverse praxis. Stay tuned, and thank you so much for listening to the Gorilla Pastors podcast. Podcast.